Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Sunday, November the 27th, 2022. It is currently 3.56 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where I have... I have that bad feeling. Oh, I do. I do. I do. I do. I, I kind of pause there when I gave you the date. Welcome, everyone. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Sunday, November the 27th, 2022. I kind of stumbled when I said it, and then I was like, okay, it's 3, what, 56 p.m., 3.57 p.m. Central Time. And the reason is, and the reason I have that bad feeling is because of the number on the calendar. Oh, I... This is the time I just don't like this time of year. I don't like this time of year as a Christian. I know that sounds crazy. I know that as a Christian, this is the time of year that that maybe, you know, I should be happy and celebrating and everything should be wonderful, but I just don't like this time of year for a number of reasons. I could go into all of the reasons, but for me, I'll just give one right now. This is where I, I look at the calendar and I'm like, Oh no, it, it's another year is about to end. Before I know it, it's going to be the end of, of another year. And for this year, it'll be the end of 2022. And I'm going to be looking at 2023. And so I start thinking, uh, you know, to myself, okay, spiritually, what did I do in 2022? Spiritually, what did I accomplish in 2022? What did I accomplish in all of my preaching? What did I accomplish in all of my teaching? What did I accomplish in all of my podcast episodes? How many episodes did I do this year? I haven't even counted yet, but you know there it's in the hundreds. I have no idea exactly how many. And so you just start sitting there. So all the preaching, all the church services, all the podcasts, all of this, all of that. And now here I am, November the 27th, before I know it, it's going to be the end of the year. And what what, what really happened? What, 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 what did I really what? What? Did, did I, I? Do I convince myself that I sinned less? Do I con- convince myself that I was better off? Because I've been through this too many times in my Christian life, right? If you've been a Christian for a long time, you know you can you can look to certain things and go, well, look, I did this and I did this and I did this. Okay, I was doing great spiritually. But we know that for every good thing we point to, there's all kinds of sin and shortcoming and failure in our life, So that, which then makes you question all of the things you did do, right? All of the things I supposedly do, well, I still had all of this sin. And then not only that, this really hits me today because today is the first Sunday of Advent. And if you don't follow the church calendar and you don't care about any of that, I understand. But still, it, this is the day where you're like, okay, I've got, uh, before I know it, it's going to be December the 25th. And I know that Christmas is a federal holiday. And I know that you've got the gifts and you've got all of the so-called materialism and the, and, and the secular kind of understanding of Christmas. But I really want to make it about Christ. I want to make it about the incarnation. I really want to make it about Jesus. And you know that you try to fight it and you can try to do this and you can try to do this and you can try to do that. But it just seems that no matter what you do, no matter what you do, at least I know the feeling I'm going to get. It's going to be Christmas night. It's going to be Christmas night. 
I probably will be up here in the studio and I'm just going to be like, well, another Christmas has come and another Christmas has gone. And did, did I make it about Christ? Did what, what spiritual thing was, was I supposed to get some feeling like, like all of a sudden were angels to descend from heaven and sing the hallelujah chorus? Like, what was I expecting to to happen? Was, was, was the, the star of Bethlehem supposed to shine above my house? Like what, what was I expecting to feel? But no matter what I, no matter what? I, I'm going to feel like I did not feel it. I didn't like, it's just, it's gone. It's gone. It's like, here's this beautiful time of year that I, that I should really make it about Christ. And no matter what I do, I can pull out the Advent wreath. I can have the candles. I can do the scripture reading. I can light the candle each day. I can add the fifth ca- candle, you know, called the Christ candle and light that on Christmas Eve night, or maybe even Christmas night, I, I would, whichever time I want to do it. I can do all the readings, and before I know it, guess what? It's 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 Christmas night, and it's over. It's over. So I just I pack up the Christmas wreath, you know, put up the Advent candle or the uh, Advent wreath and the Advent candles, put it all away, you know. And then it's just well, you wake up and it's the next day, and then the next thing you know, you're you're celebrating the end of a year and the beginning of a new year, and it just sometimes feels like I, I what. What did I get from it? What, what, what was I, I guess you're, we're always chasing some kind of feeling, right? Some kind of emotion to, to get something out of it. That's one of those things about the holidays. It's like, okay, what, what am I supposed to feel? What am I supposed to, what is it supposed to be? And, and at least for me, maybe I overanalyze it. Maybe I'll become too uh, philosophical. I understand it, my own issue, but I'm always like, well, that it's over. Because because you wake up on a holiday, whatever whatever time you wake up, I'll say Christmas morning, you wake up, say you wake up early, right? You wake up early, but before you know it, boom, it's over. Christmas morning becomes Christmas afternoon. Christmas afternoon becomes Christmas evening. Christmas evening becomes Christmas night, and it's done. And what you kind of realize, it was just another day on the calendar. And no matter how special you tried to make it, no matter how spiritual you tried to make it, it's just gone. So this is that time of year where I start questioning everything I've done spiritually. And again, what am I supposed to feel when I get to the end of the year? Is there supposed to be like, oh, I feel it. Like, it's my, if, you, if you've been listening to this series on the presence of God and the Today's Focus in our talk about Exodus 33 and 34, is my face supposed to be glowing like Moses? Like, what is what am I supposed to feel exactly when it gets to the end of the year spiritually? What? What is it? Because I think what we always get to, we get to the end of the year and we look back and we see, I failed here and I sinned here and I struggled here and I didn't do this and I didn't do that and I didn't put God first and I didn't love God first. And, and so then we turn around, we're like, okay, it's 2023. We got a new year or whatever year it is. And okay, I'm going to get me a notebook. I'm going to get my Bible. I'm going to do devotionals. I'm going to do, and, and, we, get all, and we, we get all excited at what we're going to do. And then, you know, one month into the year, two months into the year, we're right back and kind of to our same routine. And then, Next thing you know, we're going to be at the end of 2023 going, what did I do? Do you ever go through these cycles of like, what? It's, it's November the 27th. What, what am I supposed to feel today? First day of Advent. Thanksgiving is over, right? Thanksgiving is over. Did, did I, did I thank God enough? Did I do enough devotionals on Thanksgiving? Did I listen to enough sermons on it? 
Oh, and now it's the first Sunday. Do I need to listen to a bunch of sermons about Advent and 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 light the the what's called the prophecy candle and 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 remember and start reading the prophecies from Isaiah and that he offers hope in a time of darkness? I know all the right words to say. And there and listen, there's nothing wrong with that. I I love the Advent wreath and the Advent candles. I would strongly recommend that. I would strongly recommend it. I would. If you have time today, go out and get the wreath and the candles right now and 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 start making it a practice between now and Christmas. Do whatever you can, but it's just no matter what we do, it's just going to be over. And again, what what are we what are we trying to feel? What 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 are we trying to to grab onto? And the reason I'm really stressing that aspect of it is because we've been talking about the concept the presence of God. And remember, this all started because of a message uh, preached by Adrian Rogers, which aired on their radio program slash podcast, Love Worth Finding. We analyzed, we reviewed in this series, we reviewed that message, part one and part two, and we had serious, serious problems, especially the way he handled the text and and just everything. We, I, we won't go back through all of that. But he, he talked about this presence of God, this conscience conscious presence of God, that God is present and we're conscious of it. He didn't really describe exactly what that is supposed to feel like. He didn't really explain exactly what that is or what that means. But it's a, it's a common, it's a common phrase used by many Christians, this idea of God's presence, God's presence, God's presence, God's presence. You'll go into some church services and when they do the worship service, feel the presence of God. You Don't you feel the spirit was present, the presence, 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 presence. God is present. His presence is here. I don't know. It, it's used so frequently. People will tell you they supposedly feel something. But I think a lot of times I'm just like, what? okay, what exactly is supposed to be going on here right now? What exactly, how am I supposed to do this? So we didn't even really get a chance to delve into that question because we have been still working on Exodus 33 and 34. And I wanted to do a Today's Focus episode, but it's already four o'clock on a Sunday. So it'd be weird to do a Today's Focus. So we'll return back to Exodus 33 tomorrow morning. But what I wanted to do is while while we were reviewing those messages for Adrian Rogers and Practice the Presence of God, and remember there's a famous book written by Brother Lawrence on practicing the presence of God. We will need to talk about that at some point. But in the midst of all of this, just I, I noticed that the Christian Post posted an article on November the 25th entitled, Five Things That Hinder the Presence of Christ. Five things that hinder the presence of Christ. And I'm like, okay, we've got, I mean, when, when everywhere you look, the same subject keeps coming up, that's a pretty good sign that you're like, you know what? I may not be interested in this subject, but everything around me keeps pointing me to it. So I'm just going to jump in with both feet and see where we end up. Maybe it'll be wonderful. Maybe it will be great. Maybe you won't even understand my struggles. But when I hear that term, five things that hinder the presence of Christ, I'm like, so, okay. What do you mean hinders the presence of Christ? Like, what happens? Like, how? okay, Christ is present, but then he's no longer present. So in other words, he leaves or he's present, but it, I no longer know he's present. Like, what, how do, and how do I know he's present? What does it feel like? Because every time when, when, people, when people talk about, oh, I felt the presence of God or, or God was present, when I go, so what was going on? 
not in every single situation, but most of the time it refers to some kind of a church service where there's there's either stage lighting, the lights in the sanctuary are lowered, there's candles maybe, there's there's soft music, or maybe they're singing a cappella, and, and there there's like, some, and I'm like, I don't know if you're feeling the presence of God, or you're just feeling human emotions being, and I don't want to say manipulated, but being impacted and influenced by your surrounding, right? Oh, I felt the presence of God. Is it because of the building you were in, because of the stained glass, because of the architecture of the building, because of the of the the way the scriptures were being read, like like sometimes when people say they feel the presence of God, I think all they're describing is they they felt something in their emotion and they immediately say God was present. I, I have a hard time with the phrase, but it seems that we can do something to hinder God's presence. So what can we do? Let, let's, let, we're going to begin, and this episode will begin a look at the five things that supposedly hinder the presence of Christ and see if we get any insight. Because, and again, I, 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 again, I believe Christians frequently just, that we just adopt terminology. We adopt phrases and they just become mere cliches that we just, we just throw out these little cliches, these little just canned phrases and nobody ever stops to go, what in the world are you talking about? You use the term, but what do you mean? In many cases, when Christians get put on the spot like that, they, they get a little offended. But I think at some point you got to go, look, stop talking Christianese. What, what do you mean? I mean, congratulations. You've listened to some sermons and you've picked up the lingo. I don't care about the lingo. What does it mean? So... Five things that supposedly hinder the presence of Christ. I don't think this is going to answer many of my problems or questions or struggles, but I thought, hey, we 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 reviewed, we spent two plus hours reviewing a sermon dealing with the supposedly the presence of Christ that never really ex- explained or described it. Let's see if this article does any uh, does much for us. So, in this episode, we're just going to begin this. We're not going to get very far. And then we'll just work through it. Are you ready? Five things that hinder the presence of Christ posted um, at at ChristianPost.com on Friday, November the 25th, 2022. All right, here we go. Most believers, this is how the article begins, understand that God is everywhere. All right, okay. So I agree that Christians understand that God is omnipresent. That's everywhere at all times. He's omnipresent. I agree. So, amen. We're, we're, we're right on the same page. So, he is everywhere at all times. However, the very next, then they have a comma. Most believers understand that God is everywhere, comma, and then you know the next word. But, now as soon as that but is placed there, you know that in a sense negates everything that comes before. Okay, he may be everywhere at all times, but... Cancel that out. The Bible is also clear that the power and presence of Christ can fill the heart of the believer who completely surrenders to him. Okay, so Christ is everywhere, but if you will do the very simple thing of completely surrendering to him. If you can pull this off, if you will completely surrender to him, dun, 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 the presence and power of Christ 
will fill you. The power and presence of Christ will fill you. All you have to do is completely surrender. Now, I don't know how you measure complete surrender. How do you, how do you measure complete surrender? And what if you completely surrender right now, Sunday, November the 27th, 2022, it's now 4.12 p.m., but somewhere between now and the time I'm standing behind the pulpit at Victory Baptist Church tonight, what happens if somewhere between now and then I demonstrate that I'm not completely surrendered? Like, like all of a sudden my complete surrender turns into partial surrender. Then does immediately the power and presence of Christ depart? And then I've got to find a way to surrender again to get it back? Like, it, this can't be a perpetual thing. It's got to be constantly in fluctuation. So what does complete surrender look like? That's the real question. Really, the question in this article isn't the five things that hinder the presence of Christ. The real question is complete surrender. What does complete surrender to Christ look like? That, that's the million-dollar question. In fact, we almost need to do another series, we, we, but, but we won't. We're going to address it here because this is where it's being addressed. If you want to feel the power, if you want the power and presence of Christ. Now, I don't know what you can do with that power. If you can have the power of Christ, that would be omnipotence, right? Because he is God. He is deity. So you would have the power, the full power of God, omnipotence. I guess. I, I don't know what that means. You can have the power of God. So I can do anything? I can I can raise it. Yes. I mean, no. I mean, maybe, kind of. I don't know. But you can get it. So, but just remember, I can get the power and presence of Christ. Now, he's everywhere. He's already present everywhere. So this is a special kind of presence. This is a special kind of presence. All I have to do is completely surrender. Now, I don't know who me- does the measuring, But I really would like to know, what does complete surrender look like? What is complete surrender? I I don't know if I've, I'm almost positive that there are some famous books written in church history that attempts to answer what complete surrender looks like. But I think it would be, I, I know there was a long pause there. I know it was a long pause. Um, but it's a long pause because I'm just trying to really like, how would, how would we, how would we calculate it? How would we quantify it? How would we understand that? Hey, Hey, but supposedly all you got to do is completely surrender. So, oh yeah. So we need to, we need to write down what is complete surrender? What is it? Is it even possible? Remember, it would be, it would be weird because if I could completely surrender to Christ, it seems that would indicate that I've completely surrendered my sinful nature. And can you completely surrender your sinful nature to Christ? I don't think that that's even humanly possible. I don't even think this is possible, but okay. Unless you say complete surrender, and then you water that down to such a degree that people can actually do it. And then you would have to question, well, is that complete surrender? They go on to say, his presence changes everything. So it's no secret why the enemy of our soul wants to hinder his presence and power in our life. So here's the way it works. Okay, God is everywhere, all right? Now, here's the thing. If we can get his presence, if we can get his power and we can get his presence, it will change everything. So here's God, he's omnipresent, right? So here's the enemy, 
Satan. So Satan's on one side, God's on the other. God, God has all of this power. He's already omnipresent, but he wants to put that presence in me. He wants to give that power to me so that I can be completely changed, right? However, Satan is there like, oh, no, 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 no. We got to stop that. We don't want them to get that power. We don't want them to get that presence. So the soul will do everything it can, or the enemy of our soul will do everything it can to hinder that from happening. So there's a power struggle supposedly going on. Here you are, you're in the middle. God is omnipresent and all powerful. He's, let's say he's over here to the left-hand side. Over here to the right is Satan. He's the enemy of the soul. God realizes that what will change me, what will transform me, what will give me power is that power and presence being inside of me. Now, I, I, all I have to do to get, God is there saying, hey, you can have all of this. All you have to do is surrender. If you surrender, you get my power, you get my presence, everything changes. Satan is like, nope, we cannot let them fully surrender. We cannot let them fully surrender. So the, the, what, what causes me not to fully surrender is not something in me. It's supposedly Christ. It's supposedly Satan outside of me. So my real problem is an external spiritual force that God chooses not to do anything about because he leaves it up to me. Hey, if you want to be changed, you surrender, and then you get my power and you get my presence. And Satan is like, that can never happen. So really... We're caught between these two spiritual forces and everything hinges on what we do. Now, this is, this really is painting a picture of how many people view the Christian life. And it's constantly, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? I need to do this. 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 That first paragraph, so much there. That, that's just, uh, that, I, I'm going to look something up here. I'm going to look something up because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a famous Christian book. Is it called Absolute? Hang on. I'm going to go to books. Is it called Absolute? Surrender. Yeah, by Andrew Murray. I knew it. I knew it. It's called Absolute Surrender by Andrew Murray. All right, I'm going to I'm going to read this to you. Absolute Surrender from Andrew Murray. I knew I knew that there was a book on this. Uh, this is what it says, and you can get it for free for your Kindle, or for 99 cents for your Kindle, I apologize. Uh, I desire by God's grace to give you this message that your, that your God in heaven answers the prayers which you have offered for blessing on yourselves and for blessings on those around you by this one demand. Are you willing to surrender yourselves absolutely into his hands? Every one of us is a temple of God in which God will dwell and work mightily on one condition— absolute surrender to him. God claims it. God is worthy of it. And without it, God cannot work. I knew this. I knew this is where this article was coming from. I knew, I knew it. I just could not remember the name of the book at the beginning. And then all of a sudden, I just like, I have to look it up. I have to look it up. So just hear this. Okay. 
Uh, you can have blessings on yourself. You can have blessings on others. You can have absolute answer to prayer. And all that you have to do is completely surrender yourself to God. And then he will work mightily in you. The reason God is not working mightily is because we have not completely surrendered. This thinking is like built in to modern day Christianity. And it's right here in this article in the Christian Post. So if you think about it, before we even look at the five things that supposedly hinder the presence of Christ, according really to Andrew Murray and a lot of people, a lot of this thinking, and it seems to be at, once again implied here in this article at the, at the Christian Post, is that basically you cannot have the presence of God and you cannot have the power of God until you completely surrender. Once you surrender, you can have it. Now, have you heard this kind of teaching? And if you have, well, how did you process it in your Christian life? Let me, let me read this paragraph again. Most believers understand that God is everywhere, but the Bible also is clear that the power and presence of Christ can fill the heart of the believer who completely surrenders to him. I mean, that is directly, clearly whoever wrote this article was influenced by Andrew Murray's theology. Whether they know the name and whether they know the name of the book, Absolute Surrender, they've heard the teaching somewhere. His presence changes everything. So it is no secret why the enemy of our soul wants to hinder his presence and power in our life. So it's it, 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 it almost like they're formulating this kind of this kind of formula. The formula is this: Christ will give me his power and his presence if I completely surrender. But even if I completely surrender, then there are five things that will come to try to hinder that presence remove that presence so I have to remain in a state of being completely surrendered. The minute I lose that complete, completely surrendered state, I lose his power and his presence. So the formula is I got to get, I've, I've got to get the power and presence through complete surrender. And then I have to be aware of the things that will come to try to hinder that presence. But if I'm completely surrendered, I don't know how anything then could hinder that. I, yeah, there's so many questions here. So in a roundabout way, we've stumbled into what is complete surrender. Now you say, how did, what does it have to do with the beginning of this podcast episode? It has everything. Because at the end of the year, remember I talked about this time of year I start getting kind of bothered. I get to the end of the year and guess what? I start looking and a roundabout way. I kind of look at it, not using their terminology, but I'm kind of like, okay, it's the end of the year. What did I do spiritually? Did I, I won't use the term, was I completely surrendered? But it'll be like, did I do this? 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 What, what am I, what is it supposed to feel like? What is it supposed to look like? What is complete surrender supposed to feel like? What is the presence of God supposed to feel like? See how I'm relating the concepts? And then uh, when it gets to Christmas, I'll be like, man, what was I supposed to feel? What was I exposed to experience? Because I'm looking for something. Some people are looking for this feeling for the presence of God, and they're told the only way to get it is complete surrender. So maybe the only way Christmas will mean anything is if I completely surrender. Maybe the only way I'll feel like I really did something through uh, for my Christian life in a year is if I find myself at a position of complete surrender. But what does complete surrender look like? Maybe the whole issue here is that complete surrender concept. 
because I can't even I can't even entertain the presence of God. I can't even experience it unless I am completely surrendered. How do Christians even believe? Like, what does that even mean? I think we've stumbled upon a, a teaching within the evangelical world that I, I I'm not going to say directly traces back. But it's greatly influenced by Andrew Murray's book, Absolute Surrender. We're going to have to do a little reading of that. We're going to have to do a little reading of that. We're going to have to. We have, we have no choice. We're going to have to. All right. I, I want to say more. You say, well, what are the five, what are the five things that hinder it? Well, I don't want to give them to you right now because we inadvertently, we've realized that the issue here may not even be trying to figure out what the presence of God is or even trying to figure out what they claim supposedly hinders it because everything hinges on our absolute surrender and complete surrender to God. Now, I, I think the complete surrender to God is much, I think that that terminology is is it more, maybe it's not just a charismatic thing. I think I heard it in the independent fundamental Baptist world. You can tell me where you've heard it. And how do we process this? I'm going to stop right there. You can email me. News, IF, oh man, I hate when we, we kind of inadvertently stumble into something, but that's okay. That's okay. I love that. I, at the same time, that's what I love about this podcast is we, we try to make it very real and organic. So I, I wanted to focus on the five things that hindered the presence of Christ and give you the first one. But we then kind of stumble into this other concept, but they're, they're closely linked together. All right. You can email me all of your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. And if you've been listening to our discussion about law and gospel, I think we just found ourselves uh, where this is a very law-based approach to everything that I think will leave you broken discouraged and despair and and in in despair if not in full-blown depression because there's no way you're going to pull off what they're saying you have to pull off but you can let me know news if at yahoo.com news if at yahoo.com we'll be back uh, live on the air at 6 p.m central time and uh i cannot be dogmatic what we're going to be doing this evening okay i cannot be dogmatic yet but just tune in it's either going to be law and gospel or, or it's going to be in our Bible study exercise on the subject of fear. We got both going on, so we'll see what we do this evening. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great Sunday evening. And well, I can't wait to hear what everyone seems to think about this concept. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless. <laughs>